We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Ninety-eight yard fumble return, a fourteen-point flip on the scoreboard. Baltimore getting ready to go in last night to take a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter. Instead, they were down seven. They lost to the Bengals, twenty-four to seventeen. One more, one more wild card game to go tonight. Dallas and Tampa. Cooley is with me. We're going to go through um, all of the five games that were played over the weekend. Uh, and we will preview the final one uh, tonight. I've got some uh, kind of news, not necessarily news, but I want to comment on some of the news about the sale of the team, including Jeff Bezos not being one of the initial bidders. That story broke yesterday, and I'll do that in the final segment of the show. I did want to read coolly this uh, review that we got on Apple Podcasts from Jay Dunn. He's from Annapolis, lived in New York for 20 years, Uh, Kevin, you've been a part of my life for a while now. Ha. Simply the best for Washington football team. Terps update, Snyder drama, etc. Tom is amazing. Cooley, fantastic when he joins. Wish he would join more. Um, Thanks for making my commute bearable. Uh, Don't forget to rate us and review us if you've got a chance to do that wherever you're listening to us. Apple and Spotify in particular. Apple um, really helps us out. And five stars and a nice... Uh, one to two sentence review really helps. So I thought we would go kind of in reverse order, like the most recent game, which was last night. And then we will get to the game that preceded it, which is the one I know everybody wants to hear my take on, which is the Vikings Giants game and the final play uh, offensively for Minnesota. We'll get to that. But I thought, let's start with Baltimore, Cincinnati. I thought the Ravens really last night kind of deserved to win the game, and they didn't. I, I gave them out. I was 2-2 two and two on the smell test. I had Seattle. I had Minnesota. And then I had the Ravens plus the number, um, plus the nine, and, uh, and the over 40. So I got the over in that one and the Ravens. I was really rooting for them to win. I wanted them to win. I thought they, did, I thought they played well enough to win. What did you think? 
they played well enough to win. They didn't play well enough to win outright. I thought the Bengals are a good team, but you can't make mistakes against a good team. So they made a big mistake a critical spot. They made a couple mistakes throughout the game. I was impressed. You know, I, you and I had done the podcast on Friday or Saturday, and I was sitting with a couple buddies, and we'd, I, with you, I'd convinced myself that Baltimore was going to cover, but not only cover, maybe would have a chance to win the game, and they all thought I was crazy. So I was cheering for Baltimore to win the game, which I think is the first time I've ever cheered for Baltimore to win a football game. But golly, Kev. I mean, you want to talk about one play changing everything. Oh, my God. And it's a play that I think that's a narrative for a lot of other things, including some of the Lamar Jackson negotiations. But one play changing everything. And my first question to you is, not just the play call, but did Huntley choose to go over the top on a quarterback sneak when maybe it wasn't designed to go over the top? I, that's a really good question. It sounded like, and I was looking for some of the quotes, that, um, that that wasn't what he was supposed to do, that he wasn't supposed to expose the ball, that he wasn't supposed to leap over the top. Um, it was too far to leap over the top. Too the, far. The ball was at the yard and a half line. It wasn't at the one or even inside the one. And, uh, you know, the, the Gus Edwards play on second down, I really thought he had, he was running way too upright. It looked like there was a chance for him to kind of go low and duck and get in there. Some of the running plays that, that Baltimore had in that game, how about the fourth and one on Baltimore's final drive? It was the play right after, I think, the two-minute warning when they ran Huntley behind, like, there was a guard, there was a fullback, and there was a tight end, and he was following all three of them. It was like it was it was like a high school play. Um, I was I didn't bet the Ravens on the money line. I almost did before the game started because I really thought that, that this is the kind of game that organization always rises to the level in. Nobody gave them a chance. They're nasty on defense. God, do they hit on defense. Um, the Kyle Hamilton dude at Notre Dame, that was the guy that I wanted Washington to draft at 11. That when they traded back, they didn't have a chance to trade him. Baltimore uh, drafted him. He's turned into a really good player. He had the hit and the forced fumble at the end of the first half. Baltimore, the, 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 the opportunity at the end of the first half was butchered a little bit. Like he, they, they just didn't give themselves a chance to score a touchdown there. And then I really thought Harbaugh manage the clock poorly at the end by just huddling up. They they probably killed an opportunity at at least three to four additional snaps, and they took running the ball completely out of the equation at the end. But back to your question, no, I don't think he should have – I don't think the plan was for, for him to dive over the top. He was too far out. But what are the chances that even a fumble there gets picked out of the air and run back 98 yards? Like, even if Cincinnati had recovered the ball, it would have been a big play. But Baltimore's defense was so good, I think they would have gotten the ball right back in really good field position. But that's not what happened. It they may that, have. Yeah. They may have. I don't. First, first of all, I don't like the sneak from as far out as they were, especially with the run game that they have. They went run action on the on first down. 
They tried to throw it to the fullback. It on got the first t- down. and it got tipped. The ball got tipped. I don't think he scores anyway. Yeah, you're, you might be right. You might be I right. Mean, maybe he gets it down to the one, but the way they were running the ball, it's like if you want to throw at that in that situation on first down, it's Mark Andrews or bust. Yeah. But I would just go ahead and run the ball three downs in a row or four downs in a row and see what you got. But the quarterback sneak, I just hated. And the, the funny thing is, is you ask, what are the chances? Well, the chances are dynamically higher that they pick it up and run it back in on that type of play because you have your heavy personnel group in. Right, right. You, you know what I mean? And, and you are all just submarining. There was a block in the so back as as the- on that return. That was a clear yeah, block in the Andrews, back. Yeah, Andrews, who was trying to make a play. He, yeah. al- he almost did. He, he was flying. He was flying. Great, play. Great effort. Incredible effort. And he, what, he got what, blocked what, in the back. How, how, I mean, that was that's pretty clear cut. I know it was a push, but it, it impacted his ability to catch uh, Hubbard on the return. I, and oh, but, he was going to catch him if he didn't get shoved in the back. And and that ball, uh, that that was at the twenty-five yard line. I think that ball would have come back to you know basically like the thirty-five or forty, and then and then they're probably going to kick a field goal, and Baltimore still got a chance. And at the end of the game, they kick a field goal to tie it, right? Instead of just burn time. Um, no, I, the chances are higher of a fumble in that situation. I, I'm assuming it's entirely Huntley who chose to go over the top, but. I would have just put the ball in Dobbins' hands. Yeah, Dobbins was—he was so good in the game last night. He was excellent. I, I you I know, put the ball in the big fullback's hands and just let him barrel forward. But or or yeah, or, or run your short yardage that you ran, at, you know, at fourth and one at the two-minute warning and let Huntley. Huntley, you could tell, was a little bit on on the run that got him down there. The read option keeper that got him down there. And and he, I don't think I think he did the smart thing by not extending the ball out to try to score because then it could have fumbled out of the end zone. He got knocked out at the yard and a half or two yard line, whatever. It's a hell of a play. It's a hell of a drive that they were in the midst of. He looked a little bit out of breath to run that little play action, you know, first down throw. They should have just handed the ball off right there to Dobbins or Edwards. Um, I, I mean, I. I that that was an unfortunate way to, to to lose a game. They had opportunities, you know. They got the ball back three more times. I mean, Cincinnati's last three possessions were punt, 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 um, and uh, and and the defense did its job. And you know, they certainly had an opportunity. In fact, on the very last play of the game, I mean, that ball got tipped. That that receiver, uh, the, he, he had a le- he had a legitimate chance to catch the catch it on the on the deflection. Um, yeah, no, it was a slow reaction to the ball coming out. He's got his hand, and he got his hand on it. The ball should have been caught. Should have been caught. It's amazing. But, but you know, I'm sitting there watching the broadcast at that, the very last drive, and they start huddling. The crazy thing is, is they have two timeouts in that situation, yeah. and you're thinking, okay, look, let's get the play called that we want called. But they ended up not using one of the timeouts. Instead of huddle with a minute left, just reset and call timeout. If you really can't get a play or you don't want to run your, your no huddle or your hurry up, just call timeout. Exactly. I mean, there's an element. Ele- and, and the other thing, sorry, yeah. real quick. Yeah. The huddle took way too long. Oh, my God. It wasn't even a quick you huddle. You can huddle, but you can't 
full huddle. And the reason you can't full huddle is because of exactly what happened. It's a, it's a holding penalty, a false start penalty, a sack. Any negative play completely changes the dynamic of a minute left at the 25-yard line. Now it's 40 seconds at the 35-yard line, and that isn't enough time. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I understand the idea of not being rushed at minute 30, minute 10, you know, um, et cetera. And, and by the way, if you do score, you don't want to. But they had a first and 10 that they, with the clock running, that they ran with 32 seconds left and still had two timeouts left. Like I would have preferred yep. in, that, in that moment at that point that maybe there'd be like 45 seconds left. You know, um, maybe you don't call the timeout immediately after the play before you let the clock wind down a little bit, but you got to leave yourself the opportunity for things like a defensive holding with, you know, with like 11 seconds to go that gives you a first and goal. Like these are the kinds of things you've got to, I mean, they didn't manage it well enough at the end. Um, to give themselves the best chance. They should have had another. And, and by the way, when they had the holding penalty, it, I think there were 22 seconds left I wrote down. Now now they are into, even if you pick up a first down, now you've only got you know two snaps left, maybe three. You needed more. Um, right. It was, it was too bad. I'm fully convinced. I am fully convinced at this point. You could run clock and play to end the game or tie the game in regulation. If you need a field goal, when you need seven, you go get seven. However, you can get it, and you got to play defense. Definitely. I, the other thing I think is that, in some respect, they were saying we still have a chance to score here, but we will ensure that they don't get the ball back. Yeah, no, I think they there was time, no. That, that was we'll a part. Make, of we'll it. make sure they don't get the ball back. That was a you part. You don't of think it. about that. Can't. No, you, you, you as fast as we can score is as quick as we can score. We have to go find a way to score. And I think in that situation, when you get into that minute 20 range, I think it was something like that. Minute 17. Here it is. Minute 17. And they, they, Dobbins got a pass, and the next play was run at 35 seconds, 34 seconds. Exactly. That, that's, that that's, the, that's the spot. They, they completed the pass, first down, the ball's at the 17-yard line of Cincinnati. It's not at the 7-yard line, okay? If it's at the 7-yard line, that's different. It's at the 17. You still have a chance to make a first down and get a whole new set of downs. Like, you have, from the 17-yard line, there are, without penalties, there are eight potential offensive snaps. You know, four to get right. a first down and another four to get a touchdown. Well, you can't run eight snaps in 34 seconds typically. I mean, you can, but those are really, really short plays, like too short. And so the ball at the 17 and to let 30-something seconds, nearly you know 35 seconds run off the clock when you're sitting there with two timeouts, that was the mistake. Maybe you don't take the timeout at a minute 10. Maybe you take it at 55 seconds. You let it roll down a little bit. Um, sure, if you're if sure. you're worried, but you don't you don't huddle up and you don't come to the line of scrimmage. And by the time they snapped the ball, it was 34 seconds left um, when he threw down the seam and had it nearly picked off. And then the next play was a penalty. Now you're really fucked. It, it was right. And well, here's the other thing: is it true? Is it really realistic in that situation at a minute 17? If you just call a timeout, is it is it that realistic that you're scoring the next play? 
No, of course not. No, no, I'm with no. you. So in, so in that instance, if you get a first down there, like if they're from from that from that situation where they're at, if they get down to inside the seven on the next play, then let's let it run down to 40 seconds and call them out. Then we have four plays with 40 seconds. It gives us around 10 seconds to play if anything happens, and it gives us that back time, extra time. If we had to call timeout on first, we got one tackled on third and one or third and goal at the one, and we call timeout with 20 seconds left. We got two plays. Here's the other but, thing, Cooley. It did. It, it totally took run out of the equation. If you call that timeout with a minute 17 left, as you suggested, you can run the football and play hurry up. They still did run the foot. They still ran the football another play. They, they did, and that was the holding penalty. Right. True. Which was a was a hold. Yeah. It was really ticky tacky in that moment. Yeah. On Zeitler. He he grabbed, but I mean, did that impact the play in any way? No. Lamar Jackson didn't even make the trip with the team. I don't think he's welcome to make the trip with the team. We talked about this all day yesterday with the guys I was watching football with. Everyone has essentially that I was with has come up with the same conclusion, and I did try to play devil's advocate to what the money means, but I can't do it enough. If you are, if you are on the Baltimore Ravens, how many opportunities do you get to win a Super Bowl? How many opportunities do you get to win a playoff game? And I look back at my career, and I played in three, and I won one playoff game. And when you're a quarterback who gives you the dynamic opportunity to win a playoff game, besides because he's 90% that he just isn't going to do it, oh, my God. He's, he's and the- I get it. I, I get it. And I, we talked about it throughout the day yesterday. I said, you know, I'm thinking back, Robert Griffin was the backup quarterback there forever. And same situation. I'm sure he's in his ear. Oh, right. <laughs> well, did you see what RG3 t- tweeted? I, I think- he texted it to me. I, that's right. I texted it to you. Hold on. Let me read it to everybody. But they're, they're friends. That's true. He was on the Ravens roster. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. RG3 Instagrammed out a picture of himself in the Seattle game, which, by the way, was just over the 10-year anniversary of one of the most infamous games in franchise history was last week. I don't know why I forgot about it and didn't do something on it, but that was my bad. But RG3 um, uh, Instagrammed out a picture of him going to the turf in the Seattle playoff game uh, on the ACL and LCL, and he, he wrote, This is why you don't just put a brace on it and play. Played with no ACL and LCL for my brothers slash team. Um, changed the. Oh, wait, hold on for a second. I I don't. I for whatever reason I, I don't have the rest of it here. I had it. Can do you have whatever. the? I mean, whatever. That yeah, here, the point. The, but, you know, I don't have the rest yeah. of it on me. But the point is, is like, honestly, I understand. I'm not gonna. Get, I'm not mad at Lamar Jackson, and I'm not going to get into the conversation of what he should or shouldn't do for his money. I'm going to tell you right now that if I was on that team, I'd be furious. Period. I mean, by the way, just real quickly, Robert, did you did, did you forget that the NFL films picked up the sound of you telling Trent Williams on the sideline you're hurt but don't tell anybody because I'm telling them that I'm fine? And that in the locker room at halftime, you told, uh, you told your coaching staff that it was just the brace that was making you run that way? 
I, I don't want to go back and relitigate that. I personally, I mean, uh, honestly, we don't need to. Philip like, Rivers played on a torn ACL in the AFC title game one year. Whatever, uh, but whether he's in his ear or not. Here's the the net of it. I doubt Lamar Jackson is going to be a Baltimore Raven next year. They're going to franchise him and they're going to trade him, and they're going to get you know the two first rounders. And there will be a a, 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 a healthy sized list of suitors for Lamar Jackson. I've got a couple of teams that I was thinking about that would be perfect for him. Have you? Th- the for- money's going to be really interesting, though. I, I'm with you. I, I I could put together a list of teams that we and we talked about it on Saturday. But the money's going to be really interesting. And if I'm looking at this as a GM and as a head coach and as someone running down the like, – I, I, one, if I haven't built my organization in a way to do what he does, which I want to know if he even wants to do, going back to Robert Griffin, if I haven't built my team in that fashion, then i got to change and build my team in that fashion. And two, is he capable, after five years of doing what he does, or four, of still doing that for another four years? Or am I going to get the Lamar Jackson of the last two years, in which I'm not going to pay him anything? Because he's he's not available for you at the end of the year when the games matter. Right. But there, but there, he's going to be. There's they're going to be suitors. I, we didn't talk about this. I, mean, I don't think we did. Give me give me the number one team that pops into your mind that makes sense for him. Washington. No, that's not the one I thought of. The one the that Jets. No. The guy that you know and you love as a coach, head coach now, Atlanta. Miami? Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta would make sense. They've got, they've got, a, a, they've got a, a coach that will play football that way. They've got, they, you know, they've got, some, they got a big-time tight end. They've got a big-time wide receiver. They've got a big-time running back. You've got a, a guy like Corderell Patterson still there. They need to invest more defensively, but that team could turn it around immediately with Lamar Jackson. I mean, they were competitive this year. They could. They could turn it around immediately, but they need Lamar Jackson to play. I know. And the other thing is, is when you build your team like this, whatever I don't know. They they built it. Baltimore did build their team the right way because Huntley can run the team. It's not the same, mm. but they can still they got a chance to win a playoff game with Huntley. They well, had a chance to win a playoff game with Huntley. I know they did, but they didn't win the playoff At game. At least with your Huntley. backup gave you a chance. You don't have to change everything about what you're doing, and that's the way Baltimore built it. I know they still operate in the same fashion. So they did a good job building that from top to bottom. Uh, they. You know, had they had one more receiver last night? <laughs> no, they don't have any receivers. I but mean, like nobody. Mark Andrews was amazing, and he only had five or six catches. He's by really, the way, if he catches the one where he trips down the sideline, right? He he tripped on an off script throw down the sideline, or they would have had another first down and another opportunity. I um, I don't know. Like if I if I were a Ravens fan, and I'm gonna move on from Lamar Jackson. I'm looking for a quarterback again. I, I'm looking. I'm not looking to play football this way. And by the way, I don't mind football this way. I encouraged it back in 2012 and the years that followed. Tyler Huntley is a is a solid backup quarterback. But last year he had a chance when Lamar went out to win games to get him into the postseason, and he didn't play poorly in a lot of those games. But they didn't get there. Um, and then last night, bottom line is he gave him a chance. The defense gave him more of a chance, but he gave him a chance. He was fine. But on the big, uh, on the play that that determined the game, 
he fumbled. I mean, Huntley would be a backup for me. I would not continue to play football and say Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown are going to be my quarterbacks. I would go try to get you a real quarterback. If it's, if it's a sustainable method of playing football, is it sustainable through an entire season into the playoffs to win games? And is it sustainable after you build a team for three to four to five years? Since the Ravens said bye to Joe Flacco and said yes to Lamar Jackson, okay, that was the 20 going into the 2019 season. They have been to the playoffs three times in what would that be, four seasons, and they are one and three in the postseason. They lost at home that first year to Tennessee. Remember, he threw the ball like 59 times because they got behind. They got, they got down early, and he, he struggled early, but found a way to come back a little bit later. Yeah, they, they beat Tennessee the, in, in, the, in the pandemic year and then and got you know blown out by Buffalo in the divisional round and then lost last night. They didn't go to the playoffs last year because they didn't have him on the field, and they were ousted in the first round this year because he wasn't on the field. I, I think, you know, I don't know. Uh, would, right now – would you you wouldn't build a team that way you would adapt to i think playing that kind of football if that's what your talent said you should adapt to but would you draft a Lamar Jackson and say we're going to play football the way the Ravens have the last few years yeah i actually in having this discussion we we've had it I multiple know. times i actually don't mind how, like being creative in the run game is just as just as good for me as being creative in the pass game. But if I'm building a team this way, I, I think I told you this on Saturday. I'm going to have a conversation with the quarterback that I draft 30th every fifth year and say, "We're going to help you go get the next best deal." But you're not going to be here for more than you. four years. We, 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 we will not pay you the 250 million dollars a year. Like, that's not the system we're building. We're right. building a system that dictates that we pay tight end, receiver, offensive line, and defense. <laughs> so we're going to find a new guy at the end of year five, and we're plugging play run <laughs> game. Football. Do you know what I would say to you? I would say, please don't draft me. I mean, why? Why would, why would I want to be? Why, why would I want to be drafted that? by Lamar that? Jackson's a, well, Lamar Jackson's going to get a two hundred million dollar plus contract. Well, he what might. Need to hurt him. He might, but I wouldn't well, want to hear the pitch from the before. team that's he picking me. I wouldn't want to hear the yeah. pitch to say, "Hey, we're going to use you for four years and maybe the fifth year option year, twenty two million or whatever they paid that's him this year." That's what they all do. Any, that's what they do to every player anyway. Not, not the That's not what you typically look for in the quarterback. Okay, the rest of the the rest of all of us can understand. We're going to get used for four years. Other than <laughs> if you play really well, we're going to try to play pay you. But like that doesn't always work out. So, but it, like as long as we're being completely transparent and saying we will not hold you hostage, we're not going to franchise tag you. Actually, that might be untrue. If I'm running my team, I might say one franchise tag. I'll promise you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, at that I mean, point, you may have been injured so many times. That big contract that I told you I was going to help you get, it might not be as big as you think it is. No, I know what you're saying. Here's I, the other thing: like yeah. you're only going to do it. How many? How how long do you get to do it? If you're a coach for a team, other than Mike Tomlin, who's there ten years? Not very many. Mm-hmm. So by the time we were to draft our third running quarterback, 
when anybody would really get an idea of what we were doing. Like, you bought the contract negotiation with the first one after you franchise tag him, and then you've, you've, you've drafted another one, and he's playing. It would take to the end of the second contract negotiation before anyone's like, is this a strategy they're using? What do you think... So it is interesting. I mean, there's another time to talk about this because I want to get to the other playoff games. But I I do think that the franchise tag trade, the market will be there. But the issue is going to be, will that team come up with a contract that Lamar Jackson and his mother, who basically is his acting representation, are okay with? Because it's not going to be, you know, the big quarterback contracts of the NFL. It's just not going to be, you know, in terms of AAV, Aaron Rodgers at 50 or Russell Wilson at 49 or Deshaun Watson at 48 or whatever. It's not, it, it can't be that for him. He's not the same kind of player. But it's probably. No, but what's crazy is it can be 40, and he should be so sad at the take 40 or 42. It, you know what? It can be because 40. If it you think about what 40, what $40 million a year is, a, you know. Jeez. Yeah. I know. Like, like who, who was it? Like, we're, we're slighted or we're disrespected because we have to take $40 million a year. Right. I, I just think it's getting to a point where some of the money is like, take it. Good deal. All right, let's go to the game before it. Uh, this one, uh, the the game's all weekend long, really with the exception of the first one, although Seattle led at halftime. But it was a phenomenal weekend of NFL playoff football. Uh, this, okay. this was... Who throws a check down on fourth down and long? This is, this is the end of the game. This is the play right here. We'll play it for you Check right it now. down. Fourth and eight, game on the line. Cousins, Hawkinson, he is not going to get there, and the Giants will take over. Yep, TJ Hawkinson tackled five yards short of the first down marker and Minnesota's 13-win season and three-seed in the NFC playoffs uh, is over. Every The game that everybody predicted would be uh, the lower-seeded team be- beating the higher-seeded team. They were all right. The Giants went in and won the game 31-24. to um, I'll let you have at it first, and then I'll uh, take a swing at the game and Kirk's final play. Go ahead. I'm not, I don't want to go crazy about the final play. I just knew – I know that you hate it. I, I mean, we can say that Osborne could have made a catch the play before, and we wouldn't have been in that situation. But, again, it's fourth and eight. Can't throw the ball two yards and hope he runs to get a first down. Have you looked at the you play on the all twenty-two yet? Person. No, the all twenty-two is not available. I know exactly. I want to look at it. Yep, I'd like to look at it as well. I mean, to say that nothing's there, but the, like, here's the other thing: if nothing's there, and you're going to throw the check down, who he can see. Kirk's a smart guy, and he's got good vision. He can see that Hawkinson's going to have to break at least one tackle. Then you've got to find a way to extend. Yeah, it's just he can't. It's the process is the process. And he, as much as he's done to overcome it, there's still like those moments. And that was one of those moments. He didn't hesitate to throw the check down. And I think in his mind he knew it. The second it left his hands, like, oh, fuck, which he wouldn't have said because he doesn't say that. But seriously, <laughs> if he would to say it, that would have been the moment. Oh, fuck. I just give it back. Because he knew that was not going to get a first down. 
It was so obvious. But that said, we can move on. <laughs> well, go ahead. What else? What do you? What else do you have know. on that game? So, the other side of this game, like, it's a really interesting game. You went through a, a time period where there was no stopping either team, and then I think the Giants did something after the first. Well, this was early, but they started doubling and tripling Jefferson. Yeah, just took him out of the game. Did Jefferson even have a second half catch? Targeted three times. I think he had one catch. I mean, they didn't have the ball. <laughs> they, they didn't have the ball a lot, but yes. Um, he... they, they took him completely out of the game. They said, you're going to have to beat us with Hawkinson. Do, do you want to run the ball? Which I don't think Minnesota went to running the ball as much as they should have went throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I think they, and New York's a tough team on defense. Like we've seen that. They're a tough team to run the ball, but Dalvin could have, have like, what do you have? 15, Six, 15 carries. 15 for 60. Yeah. 15 carries for 60. Mm-hmm. That was four yards to carry. And you're a run-action team, and especially when you can't get Jefferson outside of being blanketed, come on, O'Connell. Like, get back to some of the roots of Kirk Cousins. Get back to some of the boot stuff. Get back to some of the run-action stuff. Get away from some of the straight drop-back stuff. Run the ball with Alvin Cook. Let Kirk get on the edge. Run the boot stuff. Create opportunities and windows for Jefferson. And then you build off of that with Thielen and Hawkinson, who played excellent in this game. But on the flip side of it, and we know Minnesota's defense is terrible. The defense is really what loses in the game. And that, Daniel Jones, I thought, did a really good job. And the dude Hodgins was like the pro bowler. But I, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a fun game to watch. I thought it was a good ball game. I thought they were pretty evenly matched. I just... Shoot, Kev. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm upset for him. Um but uh, and, and I'll just start with this. I mean, you can't make that throw. I mean, obviously, it's fourth and eight. It doesn't matter. You can't, you know, look, there are plenty of throws in the NFL on fourth down short of the sticks where you're relying on a playmaker in space to make somebody miss and pick up the first down. That happens all the time. And when it happens, nobody says, oh, my God, they threw short of the sticks. Sometimes that's that's okay. Like a, a quick slant sometimes is actually completed short of the sticks, but you know that they're going to cover. But to Hawkinson, who's not a wiggle guy in space guy, that was it – was, it was a terrible decision. Um, and unfortunately for him, it's so typical that it kind of ended that way, you know. Because there was nothing that led up to that point that if they had lost the game had anything to do with him. In fact, he was one of the reasons they were in the game. He had played fabulously through the you know through that game uh, uh, throughout uh, the, the Minnesota defense. I told everybody g- going back to midseason the the reason I was not as bullish on them as some of you thought I might be is because I told you they were the worst defensive team in the NFL, which they were, and you saw it yesterday. Daniel Jones and the New York Giants in two games, had 870 yards of offense against Minnesota and scored 50, 50, uh, uh, yeah, 55 points. I mean, 
that that's the Giants we're talking about. I I mean Daniel Jones is in Dable the whole thing. You and I were talking about Dable and and Martindale the other day, and I said I really like that combination. Let me just mention something. I saw Galdi tweet this out. It was perfect. He said it's criminal that the Commanders only scored 17 points against the Vikings. Uh, After the Washington game in which Taylor Heineke threw for 149 yards and they only scored 17 points, the rest of the league averaged 315 yards passing and 32.5 points against the Minnesota defense. Make no mistake, that was a terrible fourth down decision. They didn't lose the game because of that. They lost the game because they couldn't stop the New York Giants at any point who were eight for their first nine on third down. I mean, it was ridiculous how bad that defense was. And why did you give them out on the smell test, Sheehan? Well, because everybody was picking the Giants and the public was on New York. But I've been saying for weeks now, I think Minnesota's a quick one and dunner. And I even said, if Washington gets in, even with their offense, they can go to Minnesota and win. By the way, if Washington had just pulled off that Sunday nighter against the Giants... You know, forget the Cleveland game. The Cleveland game would have put them at San Francisco like Seattle was. If they had beaten the Giants, they would have been at Minnesota, which is what everybody wanted because that defense was so horrific. Now, with respect to Cousins. By the way, one more note on the defense. Kevin O'Connell, who has been Mr. Clock Management expert, Pertice. I mean, he's been great. They have been they've led the league, I think, in scoring at the end in the final two minutes of the half and two minutes of the game all season long. And at the end of the half, the Giants had a second down in ten play that ended at thirty-three seconds that went for three yards and were facing third and seven from their own thirteen yard line. And Minnesota had two timeouts left and they didn't call either one of them. They didn't call a timeout. They were fearful from their own 13 that the Giants, if they called a timeout with 32 seconds left, would still go down and score before the end of the half. Everybody's saying that's such a horrible job by Kevin O'Connell. I saw Twitter light up. What is he doing? Why is he not calling timeouts? Well, because it was only third and seven from their own 13. They were averaging 12 yards a play. So... That's all you need. That's all you need to know. Kevin O'Connell, who's been phenomenal with clock management and timeouts and getting extra possessions, they've been one of the best final two minute of the half, final two minute of the games, game teams in the entire NFL all year. In part because he's been great using timeouts and getting those extra possessions. He decided third and seven, the other team from their own thirteen, with thirty two seconds to let the clock run out. That's Cooley, that's remarkable. I mean, there isn't any situation with a good coach, and he's a good coach when it comes to that. But he's like, I gotta get this, I gotta get off the field only down three. If I if I call timeout, Daniel Jones is gonna hit Slayton again with 30 yards of, of cushion, and he's gonna be out to the 45 yard line in the next play. Now, on well, if he doesn't, he's gonna just take off and run for 25 yards and Yeah. Um yeah. now on Kirk. This is what bothers me. What bothers me is once that play happened, I knew what everybody would say. There's Kirk doing Kirk things again. Miss C- Captain Checkdown. But 
That's just not true. Like it was yesterday. It was. Okay? So I understand, you know, process-oriented, all the stuff that all of you guys were tweeting me, all the texts from you know Steve, who I'm talking to, like the whole captain checkdown thing, which is this completely false narrative. He's been the opposite of that pretty much throughout his entire career, especially in Minnesota. Um, but, and not one time with the game on the line in his record-setting eight NFL comebacks this year in the fourth quarter. Let me repeat that because I think a lot of people don't know that he set the NFL record for the most fourth-quarter comebacks in a season by one quarterback in NFL history with eight they were he also set the record as a quarterback with 11 and 0 in one score games how did he do that not by checking down on fourth and 8 i promise you do you remember the throw to justin jefferson in buffalo the fourth and 18 did he check that down did he check the fourth and 9 against indianapolis when they came from behind by 33 nothing at halftime he, he hadn't done it all year long. That's the frustration of it. Of course, if you weren't paying attention, you'll say, there he goes again, choking, checking down, can't win the big one, and he set the NFL record all season. Yeah, but Sheehan, that's the regular season. Okay, but you told me that when he lost to Philadelphia on Monday night and when they got blown out by Dallas 40-3, uh, to that that was a big-time spot that he choked in. So that's a regular season game, too. No, it was awful the way it ended for him. I feel terrible for him. And I do think, I, I listened to his explanation. He said there was immediate pressure. There was. Dexter Lawrence was in his face in a one-beat count. I'll explain, I'll explain it all for you. I'm watching it on Condemn. Yeah. But tell me what he said. He said there was pressure, and uh, Jefferson was, I looked at Jefferson. He wasn't an option. I guess he was tripled. I haven't seen that. Um, and I, I, I didn't want to take the sack. I wanted to put the ball in play. I had to put the ball in play. I couldn't take a sack there. But, of course, you know, I would have, you know, I looked for okay, – I looked so down the, the field yeah, first. So there, there's immediate pressure. I don't think this is actually a check down. I think this is maybe an option route by Hawkinson. And if it is an option route, should, Hawkinson should have broke into the middle of the field. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I can't tell if it is or isn't. If it's a chip check release, he could be chipping Thibodeau and then just checking out in the flat. If it is that, and they'll answer that, then it's all right. But if even if it is an option route, like if it's just an option route, he's running this at two and a half yards. Right. And with immediate pressure, do, do I really know if Kirk can sense that right now Hawkinson's at two yards instead of seven? or six, or five, but if he's at five, the separation's different, and there actually is a chance here. But if it is an option route, which I don't see Hawkinson as a great option route runner, because I, I've said multiple times, I don't think he's got that like quick twitch savvy to separate at the top. He's got runaway speed, and he can use the stem, but if it is an option route and he breaks in, there's a real chance here. The middle of the field's going to be wide open. I see that they did. They did. They did bracket Jefferson, where and then there's a there's a safety one safety over the top. They brought their other safety down and bracketed Jefferson. So there's it's a bracket look. Now that means the other two receivers on the other side, which is Osborne, who just dropped a pass for him, is 
single covered in running the post to the middle of the field or a dig to the middle of the field wide open. The bracket on Jefferson was there all game. So in Kirk discussing that he could take a look at Jefferson and he wasn't there, so he had to put the ball. The bracket was shown pre-play. The bracket existed throughout the play. And Jefferson was never going to be available on this play unless you wanted to say, go get a ball, Jefferson. So he should have never worked Jefferson's side. He should have worked the other side. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like he leaves. But I get where he's at. Like, it, where he's at in the game is Jefferson's his guy. And right now in this spot, this spot in the game, Hawkinson's been the guy that's come through for him for the last half. So he's working the side with his two dudes. Hawkinson runs a bad route, and Jefferson's blanketed. And the D tackle's hitting him in the face as he lets this go a second and a half in, which, by the way, he got hit. Every freaking time he dropped back, he has all year back long. To Kevin O'Connell, could you please run the ball a little bit more and get him out in some of the boot stuff and try to create some more looks? Like again, this didn't matter in this situation with the minute forty-seven or fourth and eight. But I still look. You know the other interesting thing: if Hawkinson breaks just one tackle, just one tackle, he's gone. Like we're not we're not giving enough credit right now to whoever this is. 29, McKinney, yeah, it was for McKinney. making it was, an it was, unbelievable open-field tackle on, on a tight end who's bigger than him. Yeah, but it's not an open And I'm just going to tell you right now, yeah. I'm going to promise you one. Here's another thing. I would have broke that tackle. Not even a fucking question ever. Like, I would have even, like, I would have picked him up and carried him to the first down until somebody else hit me. He ain't getting me down. Hawkinson choked, too. You're defending him more than I am. No, I mean, again, I'm saying there were options to work the other side of the field. He could have worked the Thielen and Osborne side. They were one-on-one. But once he works this side that he's working, and it looks like Hawkins is running an option out short, I mean, there were opportunities. I'm, I'm looking at it more and more, but Hawkinson has to break that tackle. Fourth and whatever season on the line, at least make the next guy get you down. He got tackled by one, and that one – it's got to be 40 pounds lighter than he is. Come on. Yeah, but... That's he, weak. It, that, it's one thing if he throws it a yard short of the sticks and somebody comes up to make the tackle. I can't... I, you, I'm just suggesting to you, if this option route is supposed to be run at five yards, mm-hmm. and he's under immediate pressure... He was under immediate Hawkins pressure. There's contact no... is McKinney. Yeah, I know. Lawrence Hawkins is in his Hawkins lap. Contact McKinney at, at two. Yeah. Does Kirk feel the difference between two and five in the option? He might say yes. I haven't thrown that ball. Yeah. And uh, by the way, Lawrence is in his lap because he has not left or moved out of the pocket. He could have he immediately tried to evade the pocket knowing his left guard got beat. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, lots of things could have happened. Yeah. Like, I don't love this. I hate this for Kirk as, as well because I know exactly what the narrative is. Is it's a checkdown, and and, it, and, it, and here's the other thing: like anyone that's going to watch it, this thing is going to say, "I'll defend him even more." Is going to say that Hawkinson is chipping the DN Thibodeau, and then he's going to go out into his route and run whatever route. Well, you want the option route delayed. Like, you purposely delayed the option route. That's the way Joe Gibbs taught it. That's the way I ran it through my entire career. Is that it delays just a second. So you could delay it with a chip. It's still an option route. 
supposed to get five why, yards. Why, why in a spot like that is – okay, let, let's just say that he didn't run the right uh, route. What should the route have been? To the sticks? I mean, Kirk would have never had time to get it to him at the sticks. Well, if you – like, here's – I don't know if it's an option out or if it's just a chip in and out. They'll have to answer that. If it was an option out, the, the, the option – if you break in, is not a dead in break. Everyone runs that option or choice route as an in is a post, quick post. The the play cousins so if he hits the inside. He'll run a quick post. Yeah, the I, which the, would get him to the sticks. The play that Cousins said um, he was as frustrated with. He said the third down and eight. You know, he put it on himself. I mean, I thought Osborne could have caught that ball. I mean, it hit he his chest. Him. I mean, Osborne, he, he, he said, he, said he, 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 he wasn't as accurate. He said he should have given him a little bit more of a lead there, and it would have kept the DB yeah. from making the play. Yeah, he threw it a little behind him. But that's the like, DB on your back, you don't body catch that. Get your hands out. Yeah. Um, Whatever. I mean, the Giants, I thought the Giants did a, a, a really good job. I like Daniel Jones. Clayton got hurt in this game for a while. Yeah. Did he ever come back? By the way, yeah. Barkley, what do you mean he came back? Every, every... Of course he came back. He, Sorry, dro- the, he dropped the third and 15 that gave Minnesota the ball. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. Because I'll, and he was hurt. Uh, you know, That's it's, right. it's That's right. as sick and twisted as I am when it comes to Cousins. After the game, I was almost wishing that Slayton had just caught that, and they, and, and then they never would have gotten the ball back. I mean, he he was so wide open, and Minnesota needed to win that game realistically. They beat the Giants the first time. They were plus two in the turnover margin. A friend of mine who, who also kind of roots for Cousins said after the Giants' second drive, he's like, Minnesota's going to need two turnovers and like five drop passes to win this game. They have no chance because the Giants are not going to punt once. Now, what did they punt? They ended up punting three times, I guess, in the game. But they didn't punt for the first time until the second half. Um, three three drives in the first half, 17 points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not good enough. I, I think it, 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 clearly at that point, from from my standpoint, you just throw it to Jefferson. <laughs> You just throw it to Jefferson, and if it gets intercepted, it gets intercepted. If it's incomplete, it gets incomplete. But the guy has bailed you out so many times on plays in which you've given him a chance. Now, Jefferson has said all year, I love how Kirk's throwing me the 50-50 balls. Maybe that wouldn't have been a 50-50 ball. Maybe that would have been a 20-80 ball. design something where you know you can get him a 50-50 ball. It's hard to fully bracket and cover him if you're crossing the, I don't know. Design something else for him. Uh, let Whatever. Me, let, me mean, t- let me end with this. The Giants are well coached. They have a quarterback that they now are going to be in a negotiation with. I mean, Daniel Jones playing essentially as an unrestricted free agent. Obviously, they can franchise him. Um, we know that that's not the path they want to go down. Daniel Jones became just the third quarterback in NFL postseason to throw for more than 300 and rush for 75 or more in a game. Imagine him with just another good uh, uh, one good receive one good receiver and one average receiver. Because Barkley is special. There's no doubt about it. He is really, really good. And they have talent when they're healthy defensively. I mean, Dexter Lawrence made second-team All-Pro. So just for, for Washington fans, 
Jonathan Allen finished sixth in the voting. Dexter Lawrence finished fourth. He's been a spectacular player all season long. Um, And he made second team all pro. Uh, That team is on – I mean, I I give him a chance at Philly next week. Not a good chance, but I give him a chance. But look out with them in the cap space they have. I think they have like the third most cap space in the NFL. Um, Let me look that up. Uh, I think the Giants are third or second. Second. Right now, overall cap space, second behind the Bears. Um, third be I'm sorry, third behind the Bears and the Falcons. Now they're going to have to pay. Either their, way, they got they, enough cap space to go get the two receivers. Yep, they're going they're going to have to pay their their quarterback. You know, that's you true. you would pay him, right? Like that's not even a question. No question. Yeah. Coaching it does help. No question. Helps a lot. Um. Giants are seven-point underdogs at Philadelphia uh, in the Saturday night game. Uh, so that, that line seems right to me. I bet the action ultimately will be kind of split on this one. Actually, you know what? I bet more people play the Giants. Let me see if there's an early. Uh, be interesting. I mean, you know what? Maybe just then that'd be the natural thing because the last couple of weeks, Philly. Right. They didn't have their quarterback, and you're like, I don't know how I feel about Philly. But by the way, that's how I feel about Philly this week going into it. It's like, have they got the rhythm back? I know. Uh, they had the bye week. Did they establish whatever rhythm? Or now are they going to play a buzzsaw in the New York Giants and get piss-pounded? Philly, though, can really <laughs> rush the passer, and they can really get after you. And it's going it, to – for the Giants – Yesterday was it, it just easy, and, and you could tell they knew it was going to be easy. I mean, they got everything they want whenever they wanted. And some of those passes, yeah. it was like Richie James caught a ball, I think it was, or Hodgins or somebody, and they're like looking around like they they're expecting to get hit, and no one was within fifteen yards of them. Um, that's not going to be the case at Philadelphia. <laughs> that's not going to be the case at Philadelphia. They're they're not going to have they're not going to they're not going to have four hundred and fifty yards and thirty one points. Right? Not against Phillies, D. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I guess the overarching theme here on the Giants is they're going to be a factor in the division in the coming years. They, They were a surprise factor this year. Um, they've had all these, you know, disastrous coaching situations. It looks like they have an answer. Looks like they do have their answer at quarterback. Um, they have a running back that is a game changer when he's healthy. They've got good defensive players. They need more good defensive players. Um, they clearly need a, a better secondary, better linebackers. But, you know, the division, you know, even with Washington looking better than we thought they'd look before the year started, the Giants, Philly, and Dallas are all better. Yeah, I know. We'll see how that stays. I know. Uh, all right. Lamar Jackson posted on his Instagram this morning. What did he post? When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. 
boy, he really he, he really feels like he the, the narrative on him mm-hmm. is very negative, and he's now gone public twice in the last four days. He's getting very defensive. I'm not saying he's wrong. Baltimore can be a pretty cutthroat organization. I think it's in a good way. You know, I mean, they'll move on from you. You know, uh, they, 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 they'll do that. Um, really, Hollywood, uh, uh, you, you, you know, you don't, you, you don't love the number of targets you're getting? Fine, we'll trade you for a first-round pick. What did they get? What, what, right. what, what did they get for Hollywood Brown? Did they, didn't they get I don't a, remember. Uh, was it a first? Maybe. Um, I don't remember. I'll tell you what, though. If you wanted to play with it, if they want to play. First round pick. Baltimore, now, when this, have they really disclosed what any of the terms they've offered to Lamar Jackson have been? They don't disclose, disclose anything. The reason we don't know about anything until. But if they, know, want to, if they want to play, yeah. disclose that they offered him $40 million a year. What if they That's don't play with it? What if they don't want to? I mean, if, well, they might they might not want to. But <laughs> at some point, there's a lot of people that look at that franchise and say, "You pay him whatever; he's our guy." It's your fault. Cardinals sent the Ravens a first round pick for Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Um, I I think the. Um, it's it's interesting. Tommy uh, mentioned this the other day. When you don't have an agent and you, you also are a, a very tight-lipped organization, you don't learn anything. There are no leaks. You know, the only people we've heard from in this in this matter now, the only person is Lamar Jackson and a couple of his teammates, um, including Sammy Watkins the other day. But anyway, all right. Um, let's go to the first game yesterday. Okay, what would you say? I said, yeah, let's move on. Uh yeah, he's gone, right? Done, over. Uh, well, I said let's move, let's move on. I I, uh, I don't know if he's done over. I th- I think it's closer because I, I think a lot of people there were fr- would be frustrated frustrated with him right now. All right, let's go uh, to the first game yesterday: Miami at Buffalo. On first and ten to the end zone. Oh, it's Gabe Davis. Did he get the feet down? Yes, he did. That is a game, game. You said it. That gave Buffalo a 34-24 lead over Miami late third quarter. Uh, They won the game 34-31. Cooley, I tweeted this out when Miami took the lead on that fumble return in the the third quarter, that I I doubt that they will win, but if they do win, it'll, it'll be one of the most improbable playoff upsets of all time. And I, I, I may have been slightly exaggerating it, but they were a two-touchdown underdog. They were on their third-string quarterback. They were without offensive linemen. They were without their running back. They were at Buffalo. There was the Hamlin emotion. Um, and they were down 17 to nothing on top of that, you know, early. I and mean, then they were down their second running back in the third quarter. Right, uh, when Jeff Wilson went out. I, yeah. I, I thought – that people can complain about Mike McDaniel at the end and the delay a uh-huh. game on the fourth and one. I think what he did yesterday to have that team ready to actually have a legitimate chance to win that game in Buffalo is, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It was an amazing effort by Miami, an amazing effort. And I think a lot of what happened there at the end 
was, you know, he explained it. He said they they told us that it was a first down on the third down play. And that's why before the fourth down, he had different personnel and ended up changing it late and they ended up having the five-yard penalty, whatever. I, I, I thought it was – by the way, the longest NFL game of the year that wasn't an overtime game, the game lasted nearly – I think it was three hours and 52 minutes was the exact time of the game. Well, they postponed the Vikings-Giants. They pushed it back. Yeah, they pushed it back 20 minutes. Um, first half lasted two hours. Uh what did you think of this one? So, as far as the, you know, I love McDaniel. Yep. Like on the Miami side of the ball, here's what I loved the, the very most. They were fearless the entire game. They went in gunslinging. And you, you could look at Thompson's completion percentage and what, like, he was 18 of 45. I know. Yeah. He only threw for 220 yards. He, he very well could have been. Right. 24 of 45 for 400 yards. Six, five or six drops in that game, no doubt. Some of them big I plays. I mean, the dude Waddle had three big drops in, early in the game, in the first half. Like, three big drops. Hill had I, one. I, I, he, Hill did. Um, Gusecki had one, I think. But when you look at Thompson and you look at the stats, you're like, this is garbage. That dude played with no fear. He looked like an NFL quarterback, and under unbelievable circumstances, I thought played exceptionally well for Miami. And I thought, when you look at – here, this is a fun one. The, the commanders had a chance to play a rookie quarterback in Week 18. This is what I would have wanted to see. <laughs> and they would have never done it in a playoff game with a rookie quarterback. <laughs> they would have clammed up and ran the ball 100 times. Like it was yeah. still- Callahan's great grandfather coaching football. Right. I mean, seriously. Yeah, Henry Callahan. The, the fearlessness in McDaniel and the ability to show that as a young coach to a young team that we have no fear of these guys and we'll come out and attack them breeds so much confidence in his group. And they had a chance to truly win that game. They battled throughout the entire game. You know, it was, it was impressive what Miami did. And I would have loved to see it with Tua, but. Honestly, it was it was a lot of fun to watch Thompson, and I think really true too. If they would have had Wilson more in the second half, they, they would have had opportunities to run the ball more. They would have had some more play action stuff to dial up. But Buffalo basically said, "We know you're not going to run it." I, they couldn't. Um, they couldn't run it. I mean, they had no chance of running it. I, I I agree with everything you said. I mean, from the very first drive of the game when they took the deep shot, and was it Hill or Waddle that dropped that one? Um, Waddle. That was Waddle on that one? I think so. Um, yeah, it was Waddle. I just looked it up. It was Waddle. I mean, it was um, – they, they had no fear with this guy. None. Now, part of the 45 attempts is because they got down 17 to nothing, and then they were down 10. But it was also their only chance to really move the football. I actually thought – I had one criticism of Thompson because I watched him a lot in college um, at K-State. Uh, he's a pretty big. He's a he's a he's a decent sized dude, and he can really run. And I thought that there were many more opportunities for him to take off and make more plays with his legs. But he was intent on, you know. And I it, clearly every it seemed like every single snap, offensive snap, the play clock was turning zero as the ball was snapped, or you know, was oh, that no doubt. one beat afterwards. But I thought that there were opportunities for him to run. 
more, and he didn't. Um, threw some balls away when he was on the run, when he, when he in, instead could have turned it upfield for four or five yards, and he really didn't do that at all. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I could not believe what I was watching as I was watching this shorthanded team in one of the most difficult environments in the NFL as a two-touchdown underdog, and then down 17 nothing. I mean, that's the other part of this. Right. They were down 17 to nothing. Um, there were two in- interesting situations. There was an interesting situation in the first half where Buffalo called a timeout and McDaniel changed his mind and kicked a field goal. And then on a fourth down and like nine, yeah. the yeah. Buffalo called six. a timeout again and then he sent his punt team out there. And I thought I both times fourth he. And six. <clears throat> fourth and six. I thought on yeah. both occasions he ultimately arrived at the right decision courtesy of the Buffalo timeouts. I was like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Um, exactly. Why is he doing that? No, it's funny. But the other thing with Thompson, they'll go back. And they, I will, I'll go back and watch this all 22 because this is a fun, this is going to be a fun one to watch what Miami did on offense to Buffalo. They'll go back and watch it. The other thing he didn't do ever was just throw the short pass. Like he had underneath receivers. So they didn't have to be in third and 10 plus every single time, which is also why he had 45 attempts is because it's like incomplete on first down, incomplete on second down, complete on third, incomplete on first down. Right. It, like, it, there will be, this will be such a great teaching tape for Thompson because he can go back and look at, wow, there, I'm sure there was a lot more available. And they really opened up Buffalo. It's and if funny, pe- they would, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I, people are wondering, and on, on Twitter anyway, why the game took so long. Well, here's one reason. There were 43 incompletions in the game. There are 43 incompletions. And, by the way, you had a lot of scores and a lot of turnovers. So, um, anyway, what were you going to say? Because I did want to ask you about Josh Allen. Oh, well, I, was, I, I thought it funny throughout the game. And I, I, I wonder where, when did Tony Romo lose his like, play prediction stuff and his real insightfulness? And just and just transition into just his idiotic personality. Actually, um, I have been very critical of Tony Roma in the last year, year and a half. To me, it, it really appears as if he doesn't prepare at all. <clears throat> but I thought Anymore. he, I he thought, I thought he made. Up, I thought he made such. He did make a. a, a, a he was very sort of prescient with the following situation when Miami had the lead 24 to 20 third quarter they were deep in their own territory there was a third 19 and he said you've got to run the ball or throw something underneath and punt it you cannot put it on this quarterback because he's going to throw an interception here and it's going to turn the game he basically, I'm, I'm not spelling it out verbatim, but he basically laid it out that way. And sure enough, McDaniel as he throws a pick, he threw the pick right into. I, I know. And and it turned the game. I mean, it went from 24-20 to 34-24 Buffalo. So I actually thought I said the, in listening I said to the him, same thing to my buddies. But my, here's my problem. Yeah. It's 17-0, and everybody knows this is going to be a blowout in the Bills and the Bills. And oh my God, they're amazing. And then it's. It's whatever, 2017. Would Miami get up? 24-20. And then all of a sudden, now he's like, man, Josh Allen's forcing things. You know, he's really feeling pressure. He's like, this is Josh Allen in the third quarter. Shut up. And then it's all of a sudden he's Mr. January. And it's just a, 
the ebb and flow and the up and down of how he's calling this game, you're like, but but you know what, Coley? In fairness, that's the way that game went. There were so many for me as a fan. It's like the game's over, and then it's like, wait a minute, they just tied it, and and by the way, got the two point conversion, and it's going to be tied at halftime. And oh my God, here's a fumble return. They have a lead. When he said there was a possession there in the third quarter, and he said. This is a, a a possession which I don't think they thought they were going to have in this game, but this feels like it, it could be tightening up on on Buffalo, like the pressure. And I felt the same way. I'm like I now I I I was looking by the way at the in game live point spread. Buffalo was still like an eight and a half point favorite at one point when they were down four, you know, for the game. Like everybody was still expecting Buffalo to win, as was I. But I did feel like. There were some pressure moments there in that game. Look, Miami got the ball back down three and had the ball out to the 48-yard line with still three minutes to go. I mean, the, the game... I know it's an up-and-down game, and I'm, I'm, but Tony was so up-and-down. on, and, and I guess even more so, I'm, I'm, it's his feelings on Allen throughout the game. Well, what did you think of Allen? My thought process was that Allen doesn't feel that way. Okay. I don't. He think he feels that type of pressure in that situation. Right. I, I think that you could put Allen in any situation at any point. He's going to go get a chance to to give you scores. Like the end of the half. Like I thought Miami had a chance at the end of the half to potentially run it and protect and, and protect Allen from getting the ball, and that's when they turned it over. Right? What did they do at the end of the half? No. Miami had two possessions, and Buffalo had two possessions right at the end of the half. He, I thought, he, he, yeah. Buffalo turned it over. Miami had a chance, I thought, to run the clock down a little bit, but didn't. Buffalo got the ball back. What yeah. am I missing here? Well, there were back-to-back interceptions. Or, or, uh, Allen threw two interceptions on three drives. And one of them got returned. the 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 one by by Howard got returned big time, which set up the I think the second field goal. Um, and then the uh, and then there his last interception, Miami went down, scored, got the two point conversion. You you thought my it was the, it was the one that set up the field goal. It was like you could run this down to keep Allen from getting the ball. And then he throws another pick. Miami scores, and then all of a sudden, thirty three seconds, and Allen takes him down the field. Right. That's why you, like Allen, Mahomes, a couple of these guys, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. Thirty seconds is maybe is he's enough. maybe he's projecting how he'd feel because he felt maybe. he felt yeah, the pressure. That's it. In a lot of maybe those that, games, that's actually true. I, maybe he could have said <laughs> I would have felt the pressure in this situation. But honestly, like Allen is so special. He and the thing I love about him is he can miss a couple throws. Doesn't matter. But then he makes that throw to Gabe Davis in the end zone, and it's just a, a couple of throws he does make you like, oh my god! And those are not easy throws; they're on the move throws. They're they're to the field throws. They're the big time throws. And and then it's not just that; it's out of nowhere. Here comes quarterback counter or quarterback draw for thirteen yards yeah. in a critical situation, which you actually treat as a run play as a defense because he's truly a running back. It's not a it's not a quarterback off script or scramble or they're going to mix one in here and there. Like he's going to have seven or eight of those if Buffalo wants to have seven or eight of those. Like he's so freaking hard to stop. Yeah, he's so hard to stop, and I, I think he's such a special player. And I think he's 
He's so much fun to watch, and he's really developed. Into, he turns it over a lot, though. He's an unbelievable professional quarterback. He turns he it over turn a lot. Over. He's got to stop fumbling. Like, his fumbling issue, he throws picks, but his fumbling issue exaggerates the turnovers. Yeah. He's got to protect the ball. What's funny is we talk about him running. He does protect the ball better as a runner. Yeah, when he's, when he, when he's running quarterback counter, he, he protects the ball as a runner. And he lowers his shoulder, and, and, and he's, he's, he's the highest yards after contact running quarterback in the league. Has to be. Um, all right, let's uh, <laughs> just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I just did. Let's just quickly recap the two Saturday night games right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marking. And with that field goal by Riley Patterson, which barely got inside the uh, right upright, uh, Jacksonville was a winner, 31 to 30, uh, down 27 to nothing midway through the second quarter, late in the second quarter. They rally. Third biggest rally in playoff history, um, down 27 to win a game. Uh, and, you know, because we left off with Romo criticism, let me just start with this real quickly, and I tweeted this out. I don't think, um, and I've said this about Al Michaels now for about two straight years, that he's lost his fastballs the way I describe right. it. Um, Al Michaels shouldn't be calling uh, a football game anymore, uh, and Tony Dungy should never call a football game. I don't never, think ever. I don't think I've ever heard a lower energy broadcast with less enthusiasm from the broadcast team than the, the game in which the the opposite of that was required for the incredible things that we were watching in one of the all time great comebacks in NFL playoff history. I, at one point, I actually thought, are they, like, putting on – is this, like, for for a goof? Like, they want to see Twitter light up with their – the least enthusiastic, enthusiastic calls of all time. Al Michaels also used to be so good at, like, score and clock and the whole thing. He had no clue, no clue at all why – 
um, Jacksonville was going for two after Bosa got the 15-yard penalty and the ball had been stopped at the one when it was 30-26. to 26. He actually thought they were about to go for like a fourth down play. He was completely confused, didn't understand what was going on. Um, but other than that, uh, this loss was, for a Charger fan, Really, really tough to take. If you were a Brandon Staley, uh, fi- you know, fire Brandon Staley guy, after this game, you want him fired and you didn't want him on the team playing coming back. They ran the ball seven <laughs> times in the second half, threw it, dropped back 23 times in the second half with a 27 to 7 lead. Now, to be fair, they weren't gaining many yards on any of their runs, they couldn't run the football at all against Jacksonville. Um, what did you think of the game? First of all, to start with the end of the game, Joey Bosa's got to control himself. Yeah. Joey Bosa should have been ejected from the game Well, in, in the moment that he threw the helmet. He, he got the penalty for yelling at the official. That was bullshit, though. That, I hated that. Did you see Sean Smith, the referee, come over? Bosa got held. He was not showing up the referee, and the referee, Sean Smith, came over, got into Bosa's face. Bosa wasn't showing up. Showing him up. I don't know what he, he said. said. No, he said something. Okay, but the but ref, wasn't, was the the ref holder, made it. Was it, was it the complaint on, the, on what looked like a, an early jump by the right tackle, a Morgan Moses-type jump? Yeah, well, there, was, there was that. That was the, that was the offsides. On on no, that may have been that play too. But whatever the bottom line is, Sean Smith, the referee, came over and made it a much bigger deal than it needed to be made. It depends uh, on what it depends on what Bosa's had. It depends on what Bosa had to say to him because it looked like Sean Smith came over and was trying to be okay. calm and have well, a conversation with Bosa. The point isn't whether or not that's a botch. Joey Bosa cannot go over to the sideline and slam his helmet three yards off. And did you see how fast Staley tried to pick the helmet and up? The, and then he handed like it to him and he slammed it again. It was like a newly hired, a newly hired <laughs> equipment manager trying to get that thing off the ground. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. The funny thing about the Bosa thing, I, I meant to mention this when we talked about the Baltimore game. That, that penalty not only cost them potentially the game, it cost Baltimore the game. Because Huntley thought he could do exactly what Trevor Lawrence yeah. did, and I promise he watched that play. I, I almost guarantee he saw Lawrence just boop, boop, put it over the top and back, and said, "Okay, well, I, I'll do that in that situation." By the way, would you have so gone? Cost, would you have gone cost, for the two, two there? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, with the way they were rolling, they're saying if we don't get it, we got we got to go score a touchdown and right. get the ball back. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind that the Chargers also missed a field goal. Dickens or I, whatever missed a field goal late in the game to give yeah, them a chance to I know. be in that and situation. It was, sh- it was a short I, one. It was a, like a forty-yarder. But the crazy thing is, is like Lawrence in the situation that that's something Lawrence has practiced and worked on. Yeah, and that's something they they worked on, and that was a clearly planned play. If we, there's any penalty on a PAT or on a last-second play, and we get the ball moved all the way up to here, this is what we'll do. Right. That was a practice and plan play. That was very obvious. So I did like the gopher, too. Uh, as far as Staley goes, yeah, it's, first of all, before we do Staley, how awesome just to see Trevor Lawrence throw four picks. Like, what a great moment for teaching a young athlete. Yeah, and they were bad picks. You're never out. You're, you're never out. You threw four picks in your first playoff game. You felt a ton of pressure. You found a way to calm down. 
and you battled back, and you got your team to win. And by the way, Christian Kirk was unbelievable in that game. He's a heck of a player. Zay Jones is a really good player. Um, Travis, Travis, was, Travis Etienne is a really good player. Yeah, they're they're a good group. I, I mean, how about a, how about Ingram? Effort. How about Ingram? He was phenomenal. Ingram made some plays. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, the Staley deal is is back to the, uh, Kyle Shanahan in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. At some point, you just got to think about the clock. And when you're at twenty seven zero, I mean, there's no way, shape, or form. A 27-0, you really thought, wow, Jacksonville is just going to be able to score on four straight possessions. <laughs> you didn't really think that. No. But if you just eat more time in all of those possessions, I mean, you could have eaten two more minutes of possession. The touchdown at the end half. of the half was so big. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it just gave them, like 27-7, to you're only one score away from a score that looks like it's not a blowout. <laughs> You know, like if you can just get it to 27-14 and hell, they got it to 30-20 to at the end of the third quarter. There was still time left. I don't think they should have gone for two on that one. I thought it was too early, even though they were down 16. There was just too much game left for me. But whatever, they they got it back on the other one um, and were where they were supposed to be. Uh, I um, It was a fun game. We we were actually at a birthday party at an ice skating rink where they thought they had to have the temperature at at 32 degrees, so I froze for two hours watching it on my phone with three or four guys at the birthday party. <laughs> I, I was cold and grumpy when I got back. I barely put the game on. I, honestly, I left I left and went, too bad I don't have a game to watch tonight. Did, I want, that's the way it probably should have ended up. But A couple of quick things. You're right about Bosa. Okay. he. I mean, he really, really hurt them in the game. They also didn't – he didn't get booted from the game because they were not – um, they were not unnecessary roughness or 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 fifteen yard penalties that included uh, Terry uh, the, Terry McCauley explained the helmet it. penalty is they didn't call they didn't call when he spiked the helmet they should have called two penalties on both on the same play yeah but so um, anyway uh, there were a couple of things that I wanted to mention number one the fourth and one on the game winning drive when they had it at the Chargers when they went full house full house backfield. Oh, great and handed call. it to Etienne was was a really I've seen that a couple times this year and I'm trying to think I think maybe Baltimore maybe somebody ran it against Washington it could have been Jacksonville in the opener maybe like that it's um, almost like what we talked about when Washington was trying to run the quick pitch or trying to get to the edge it's like you're showing quarterback sneak and you went to the edge and they they but they get up there quick. They don't let him see that Etienne right. set almost a half yard back of the other two backs. Right. And you get a chance to get to the edge real quick. But it's got to go fast. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's finish up with the first game of the weekend, uh, which was San Francisco's 41-23 to win over Seattle. They'll let him throw again. Wide open, Debo Samuel. Got a block from George Kittle. Debo Samuel. There he goes. Foot on the gas. San Francisco, a 74-yarder. I don't know in recent NFL, my memory, that there's ever been a better skill position supporting cast on offense than what San Francisco has. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle. I think Brandon Ayuk's turning into a really good receiver. I mean, we're not even mentioning guys like Jennings or what Ray Ray McLeod did when he came in when Debo Samuel was out. 
This team is so loaded at every skill position spot. And you did say the McCaffrey trade would totally change, it would make it totally easy for the quarterbacks, and San Francisco would take off, and they really have. They've got a third-string quarterback in there. You know, there were a couple of plays where he extended, he extended, whatever. I mean, he looks sharp to me, but how easy would it be to plug in almost any quarterback with what they have? And by the way, Trent Williams and that offensive line. The offensive line, McGlinchey, and the offensive line's really good, too. And that's the other thing is they they, top to bottom by far the best roster. Oh, my God. Am I right, though, about skill position players? Who matches what I mean, they you have? Didn't mention the other, you didn't mention the other running back who's also a really good player. Well, Mitchell Mitchell plays, but Mason's the guy they really like. He's the guy that didn't play against Washington and was hurt. It's. I mean, they're in a position where Purdy just doesn't have to lose them games. And like he won the game. He, he was excellent in the game. He was. And he, like, you talk about extending and moving. And who was it? Like, down in it was later in the game where he's all the way to the left side of the field, and then he runs, and then Ayuk drops one in the back yeah, corner. I know. It's a perfect I, time. I, know, I mean, I it's like that's a, that's a highlight-level play for a rookie quarterback. And like, you could see he was like, um, I know we won, but gosh dang, if you'd have got that one. What are we going to say if San Francisco wins the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, a seventh-round pick? That Kyle Shanahan's. That Kyle Shanahan's by far the best football coach in the NFL right now. <laughs> I know. I... And credit him, credit Lynch, credit the way they've built that team. And 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 maybe we're going to say that Purdy's really good. I mean, do you think people are going to say, well, that's how we have to do it? We've got to just draft quarterbacks late and find the right one. and just Because Washington's about to embark on an offseason where I have a feeling they're going to say, oh, we got Sam Howell. If Taylor wants to sign here to be the backup, great. If not, we'll find another backup. And we're just going to invest heavily into our offensive line and the linebacker and beefing up our depth, and we'll be fine. No, you won't because – First of all, you probably won't find somebody as good as Brock Purdy. Secondly, you're not Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you could say that's the way you have to do it, but even in saying that, Kyle Shanahan would have paid Kirk Cousins the contract that he got from, in Minnesota, and Kyle Shanahan went and drafted Trey Lance, number three overall, right. two, two years ago. So they still think, even with that roster, they still think they need a quarterback. Right. By the way, Brian... Yeah, I mean, you discredit people for building an unbelievable roster. Brian Greasy is the quarterback's coach. Kyle uh, hired him last offseason. And apparently it was him. We talked about this maybe several weeks ago. It was Greasy who said, you've got to draft this kid. He can start in the NFL. Like, his first gig... In the NFL as a coach, you know, with, I mean, he's kind of like, you know, a Shanahan almost because he played for Mike and, and, and kind of grew up right. with Kyle. Um, but apparently it was Greasy who, who pinpointed Purdy before the draft and that they had his eyes on Good him the whole him. time. And then, then, then I, I saw Matt Hasselbeck talking about this yesterday. He said early in training camp, like during the preseason, he was, you know, doing some stuff with the 49ers for ESPN, and he, he, kept, he kept getting told over and over again, this seventh rounder, this kid we drafted, he's really good. And he said he just kind of blew it off, and he's like, you know, people talk about their draft choices all the time. Cool, cool. But they really liked him. Were you, were you being sarcastic? Uh, yeah, like people would say, yeah, cool, cool. Like, neat. 
<laughs> You're talking about your seventh round quarterback. <laughs> yeah. You got Trey Lance. <laughs> what are you gonna do with Garoppolo if he what are you gonna do with Garoppolo if he takes you to the Super Bowl this year? Yeah. Uh tonight, real quickly, who do you like, Tampa or Dallas? Maybe we answered this on Saturday, but I forget. Let's answer it again. I like Tampa. I like Tampa. I like Tom Brady. I like the extra day of preparation for Bulls as far as what they're going to do on defense. And I like Tampa in this game. I don't trust Dallas. I don't either. I feel the same way. Uh, I can tell you this. The winner goes to San Francisco next Sunday. And I think in some ways Dallas's pass rush might be the better matchup for San Francisco, but I don't know. Uh, Here's the one thing about playing San Francisco. Somehow you've got to keep the ball on offense. Seattle actually did a decent job with that. You know, um, after like the first two drives of the game, they ended up moving the ball pretty much on every drive until, until Geno Smith fumbled, and then the game got sideways after that. But this offense, even with Purdy, it's like you don't know what's coming next. Debo Samuel refuses to be tackled. He's unbelievable. He's such a oh, he's, physical he's, player. And their, and their receivers, the way they block, too. <laughs> it's just everything about it is, I mean, I've seen that offense coached. I've been a firsthand a part of watching exactly what it is and, it's, and what it would be if it ran at a high level and they're at a high level. All right, thanks for doing this. Uh, We'll talk later in the week before the divisional round games. See you. All right, uh, let's get to uh, the story yesterday from front office sports about the bidding on the commanders and who was a notable non-bidder for the commanders. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Final segment of the show today, presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC. They'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 Uh Two and a half is the number at MyBookie for tonight's game. Dallas is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, I don't love the game, really, either way. I'll probably play Tampa plus the three. Um, by the half point, but it's not a not a smell test uh, selection. Two and two smell test this weekend. Lost on Seattle, lost on Minnesota, one on the Ravens, and then the Ravens Bengals over as well. My bookie's got the um, lines for next week out uh, right now. Um, Jacksonville, Kansas City's an eight and a half point favorite over Jacksonville. 
Uh, that is the first game on Saturday um, at 4.30. And then 8.15 Saturday night is Eagles-Giants. And the Eagles at my bookie are a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, total in that one, 48. Total in the Jacksonville-Kansas City game is 51-and-a-half. 50, and then the other game that uh, has been decided, uh, it's the Sunday early game at 3 p.m. Next Sunday is 3 p.m. and 6.30 um, for start times. Buffalo is a four-point favorite over Cincinnati. The total is 50. By the way, every single NFL game this weekend went over the total. Uh, the only one that was even close was last night, 24 to 17. The total was 40. Um, but every other game sailed over the total. Uh, can, can, can the over go six for six? Uh, the total tonight's 45 and a half. Um, I don't know. That's, uh, that's unusual, uh, especially considering the public usually loves overs. But it was such an under year this year in the NFL. Um, that maybe there were a lot of unders, including there were a lot of unders on the uh, Baltimore-Cincinnati game, which is why I went over. Um, but there you go. Those are the spreads for next week uh, at my bookie. Uh, again, use my promo code KevinDC. So uh, I want to finish up with this. So there was this story yesterday, front office sports, A.J. Perez. He's had a lot of stories in the last year or so, last year and a half. I'm not keeping score of how often he's right, how often he's wrong. My gut is that he's had a couple of things right, a couple of things um, wrong. Um, I think you know he was the guy that really broke a lot of um, the uh, information that came out of the testimony before the House Oversight and Reform Committee about sort of the cooking of the books um, situation. Uh, but anyway, um, the story that he had out yesterday titled, Jeff Bezos has yet to officially bid on Washington Commanders. He wrote, Jeff Bezos did not place a bid for the Washington Commanders ahead of last month's deadline, sources with knowledge of the process told front office sports. But that doesn't mean the Amazon founder is out of the running for embattled Dan Snyder's franchise. So there's a second part to the story, which I'll mention here in a moment. So with respect to Jeff Bezos not being a bidder, I guess it doesn't mean that he can't come in at some point and say, whatever you've been offered, I'll offer a billion dollars more. But I think what is very much in play here is something I have talked about. And I had mentioned, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I found out information about kind of the bids and about what the sales price would finally, um, you know, go at, that it wasn't going to be closer to $8 billion, that it would be closer to $7 billion. More on that in a second. But I, I mentioned also that, you know, Bezos as kind of the default owner is not, you know, is like 50-50. And, and here's, here's why. There are two reasons potentially. One, the easy answer, which is Dan Snyder is not going to sell his team to Jeff Bezos, who owns the newspaper, who Snyder blames for being in this predicament in the first place. I'm not saying he blames them, but we know he hates the Post, and I'm sure in his mind the Post is responsible with all of the stories that they've written and all of the allegations that have been un uncovered um, that he blames the Post. So he's not going to sell the team to Bezos, and maybe he's already told Jeff Bezos, F you, I'm not selling the team to you. I don't care what you offer. Um, that's a possibility. That may be why Bezos did not make an initial bid. The other reason would be, potentially, that – he wouldn't get three quarters of the vote from the other owners. 
I mean, he's polarizing. He's way wealthier than any of them. And maybe they don't want him to be an owner of an NFL team. Uh, We'll see. Uh, But, uh, you know, I've felt this way going back a few weeks ago, that Bezos should not be considered the default guy that he's going to end up owning the team, that it could be somebody else, that the NFL prefers people who who have run teams before, who have owned teams before. Josh Harris owns the 76ers, owns the Devils. Um, the guy Todd Bowley's involved in Chelsea. Uh, and so um, bo- both of those guys, local guys, by the way, Harris, uh, Chevy Chase guy went to the field school. Todd Bowley, uh, a Potomac guy, went to, to Landon uh, in Bethesda. The other part of the front office story went like this. None of the half dozen submitted bids for the commanders before the deadline um, on December 23rd or at the deadline exceeded $6.3 billion. So that means the highest bid was $6.3 billion. That's not a surprise to me. I told Tommy that and you guys that a few weeks ago that that source had told me that the sale price ultimately is not going to be $8 billion or $7.5 billion. It's going to be between 6 and $7 billion, more likely than not, when all is said and done. Now, I wanted to add uh, a little bit of thought to this. Yes, some of it is based on some conversations that I had Um, in the wake of this story that came out yesterday. So as I think I've been at 90% confident, or maybe it's 95% that Snyder's going to sell the team, that the process has been moving forward, which it has been. um, And that's, you know, obvious in that they, they accepted bids. I mean, that's been now pretty much reported by multiple sources that they took, you know, a half dozen or so bids uh, initial round of bidding for the team in its entirety. Okay, six point three billion isn't for forty percent. Okay, so the process is moving forward. Um, I was told by somebody yesterday that the Snyder's are resigned for now to sell the team. However, they're impulsive. He's impulsive, and. Right now, they have resigned. They are resigned to the fact that for a lot of reasons, one of which is just financial. They can't get anybody to help them with a stadium here. They have a big loan to pay back, the money that they borrowed to buy out their previous minority shareholders, that it's just not practical economically for them perhaps to hold on to the team. I mean, we've heard about this now going on for a year and a half, two years, cash flow issues, etc., um, I mean, I was told at one point, one of the reasons the Terry McLaurin extension took so long is they didn't, they wanted to wait until the last second to put the money into escrow. Cause you've got to put on those long-term deals, contract extensions, the guaranteed money into escrow. Uh, so if you're looking for a big Derek Carr deal, uh, maybe not. Um, but resigned for now was the way it was described to me. And I said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, they're, they're impulsive. He's impulsive. And, you know, he, he shouldn't be provoked. I've used that word before myself. Like, let's not provoke him. Let's just let him sell the team. Let's stop with all the lawsuits. Let's stop with all the investigations, etc. Because he is impulsive. And he does feel like his name has been smeared over the last two years in particular, as if it wasn't mud before the last two years. I mean, that's the delusional part. But to be fair to him, there was a concerted effort 
with this smear campaign run through this India media-based company with those internet rumors about Jeffrey Epstein, et cetera, et cetera, prior to those first post stories that came out in July of 2020 that were totally false. I mean, we'd all want to protect our name and defend ourselves against those allegations, and apparently he has done so. You know, Dwight Schar is, according to many reports now, never allowed to own one penny of NFL equity in a team. So they're essentially saying this guy was behind all of it. Those minority shareholders thought that by running his name through the mud, he'd be forced to sell, and they could sell their stake with the whole enchilada, and therefore it wouldn't be at what they ended up being bought out for. It would have been 40% of the $6 billion, or maybe you know, two years ago, $5 billion, whatever would have been paid for Washington at that point, um, instead of what turned out to be $875 million for their 40% stake. You know, the Mary Jo White investigation is still hanging out there. There's also um, this D.C. Attorney General lawsuit, the Carl Racine stuff. He's not the D.C. Attorney General anymore. The guy that's replacing him, somebody mentioned to me that that he may want to turn this over to to federal courts, which would, you know, potentially be another big news story. You still have, you know, I can't keep track of all the investigations. Tommy's good at that. Mary Jo White, though, is the big one. Because there are allegations in there that she's investigating that the team cooked the books and that he sexually harassed Tiffany Johnston. And he, if that report comes out and that report has nothing conclusive, he's going to feel vindicated. He's going to feel vindicated and he's going to be able to say in the moment, potentially, I'm just extrapolating out here. See, I'm not the horrible person you think I am. And oh, by the way, I didn't get the price I wanted from the bidding. I was looking for something much higher. I thought we would be able to get a lot more than what we got. So I'm not selling the team. Again, practically speaking, he may not, he may not have a choice. I don't think the owners will ever vote him out. I felt that way from the jump. I still don't think they'll vote him out. I think him voluntarily selling the team is what they wanted. And as of now, that's what they're getting. But be careful, you know, everybody out there, not talking to you guys in particular, but, you know, if the ultimate goal for everybody is for him to sell the team, don't push him into a corner with things that either piss him off or vindicate him. Either way. Um, I would also say this, because I've said this many times in the past. The Mary Jo White investigation, the D.C. Attorney General's lawsuits, the whatever from whatever district in eastern Virginia, it's all missing the big picture point. If anybody thinks, and that's why I got upset when Goodell held that presser and he kept talking about, we'll wait for the investigation to conclude, the Mary Jo White investigation. Look, other than the people that were impacted, and I'm not minimizing that, As far as him selling the team, that shouldn't mean anything. The only thing that should matter is that him continuing to own the team isn't viable in this market anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. This market, as an NFL market, cannot succeed 
to the level in which the other NFL owners want it to, to the level which a lot of us would like to see it succeed, as long as he owns the team. It doesn't matter what the results of the Mary Jo White investigation are. That's a missing the forest for the trees situation. If people put so much emphasis on that investigation or another investigation or this lawsuit or that lawsuit, you're missing the point. He can't own this team if the if the goal is for this market to be A, a winning market eventually, B, financially viable. It is the worst performing market in the NFL with respect to attendance, with respect to ancillary revenue, with respect to um, not television ratings. I think they were 24th in the what they put out, uh, 24th in the league in local television ratings. Like the average was like a, they did like a 13 point something. That number was like 28 10 years ago, 40 15 years ago. Nobody's watching, nobody's going, and nobody's going to say if Mary Jo White's investigation proves nothing, oh, Dan's a good guy. He should own the team. No one will say that. He might think that there will be some level of vindication with any of this stuff if he keeps fighting it. But that is not the point. The point is it doesn't matter anymore. This product was eroding long before the post stories and all of the allegations and the Mary and the Beth Wilkinson report and the Mary Jo White investigation. This thing was dead on arrival two, two years before that. This thing's been dying a slow death for a quarter century, but really for 10 years. And yes, accelerated in the last two years. I mean... I would hate to see, like, next week, the Mary Jo White investigation came out and the findings were, eh, you know, there was some untoward uh, activity, but nothing on Dan specifically um, was, was found through all of their investigations. And, oh, by the way, the cooking the books thing isn't what, you know, everybody thought it was. And then all of a sudden people say, oh, well, you know, maybe... Maybe he had a point all along. No, that's not the point. That's not the point. He can't own the team if this market, as an NFL market, is to be healthy and viable moving forward. That's the only thing that matters is he's gone and there's a new owner. Everybody knows that here. I wonder if the league office knows it. I wonder if all of the other owners know, uh, understand that. I think they do. I think they do. Does he, does he understand it? I don't know. Will he feel vindicated if things start to break his way with some of these lawsuits and investigations? Of course he will. Will that, you know, make him rethink his decision right now to sell the team? Maybe. I was at, you know, whatever percent I was at before, 90%, 95% that he's going to sell the team. I'm still really high, but I'm just going to drop it to 85%. I just still think there's a chance, a chance that he, you know, either gets pissed off with something that gets reported that he doesn't think is true or something is released that vindicates him in some way, shape and form in his own mind. So uh, anyway, I'm still at 85 percent. I still think that this is going to proceed. Ultimately, I don't think the family wants to own the team, and I think it's not really financially healthy for them to continue to own this team 
uh, moving forward. So take the six point three, six point five billion, and you know, move on. Hopefully. All right, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy.